Thank you for entering in and sense your heart toward the Lord this morning. It's always a good thing. And uh, we are actually, uh, and maybe you know this and probably do, this is actually oh, you know, as Palm Sunday. And uh, how many remember that? Oh, good, good bunch of you, good for you. Uh, so we're, we're going to do a little bit of uh, uh, looking at that story today and maybe draw some things out of there that perhaps we can uh, take home with us and help us along our journey with the Lord. And if you're just starting out with the Lord, it's, it, it's good you're here and you've been with the Lord a long time, it's good you're here as well. So everyone is always welcome uh, in the house of the Lord, and wherever you're at with God. I started my journey as a young boy and uh, growing up in a Christian home and, uh, and just uh, living on a farm. My dad had a lot of animals, uh, quite a few actually, and uh, different. it was always chores, there was always responsibility, and it was hard to get away. Um, I don't remember the first time I ever really took a real vacation, if we ever did. Uh, maybe a journey toward uh, South Dakota or North Dakota one time to attend my grandpa's funeral. That was probably my longest trip then, ever being away from home. So when you talk about Branson, and uh, we've been there, it's a great place. That's, oh, uh, okay, that's a, a bit away from the house. <laughs> that's me. That's just me talking. Other you guys love it. You love to go for it. Um, I'm a little different, but I'll get there. I know one trip I don't want to miss. You know what that is. We don't want to miss our trip uh, to our real home. That is going to be there where we really live, right? Until then, uh, a lot of our life here is, as we know, consists of ordinary, right? There's ordinary parts of life, just the same a lot of repetition, a lot of things we do over and over. It's okay, it's life, it's part of life. But then there are those days when you think anything else could go wrong, you know. Or there's moments when you just go, wow, how, can, how much more can I do? You know the Bible says, you don't give us any more than you can handle. How much more do you think I can handle, Lord? You've had moments like that. So you can imagine Jesus was ministering as he was in his close to the end of his ministry, things were escalating, things were heating up. At the same time as his ministry was unfolding, he was becoming quite popular because of the miracles that he was doing. I mean, if somebody gets healed from their blind eyes, that's a big thing. If somebody comes back from the dead, that's a big, that's big news. And, and if you get a free meal, if you happen to have been one of the 5,000, plus the women and children, a couple times that happens. And so there's just miracles out there, miracles that Jesus had performed. But one of the things that we see in this section of Scripture, they were praising him because of all the miracles, and we'll read that in just a bit. They were praising him because of all the miracles. And the points I want to drive home today is that we can praise him for all the miracles, but we can just praise him for who he is. And we ought to praise him first and foremost because of who he is. If he never does any more, any more for us, he's already done enough. Amen. So I, I just want to kind of come out at, at that angle, recognizing that we have an awesome God. We're, we're only getting started in this thing. We only see parts 
We only see uh, by faith right now. And so Jesus was ascending in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. It was uh, his ascension into Jerusalem. And we know this is, this, is, this, is, this is probably one of the highlights of his ministry, one of the moments that Jesus actually was maybe getting blessed. Maybe being recognized for who he was. Yet at the same time, we know that in the chapters following, perhaps some of the same people that were hailing him and blessing were in the crowd that was cursing him. This kind of, ooh. But God had it all planned. He has it all planned. And he knew that we need the Savior. So here's what we read on. We read on. He was going on ahead, verse 28, ascending to Jerusalem. Number one, Jesus was always... Uh, he was on the move, not always, but he took his time to, to be with the Father, but he always had purpose. He always had assignment. We heard that message last Sunday by our friend Kevin that was talked about assignment, God giving to us direct uh, instruction to stay where we're at or to go different places. And it came about that when he approached Bethpage at Bethany near the mount that is called Olive. He sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, in which, as you enter, you will find a colt tied, on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Thus you shall speak, The Lord has need of it. So I find that fascinating. So we're going to call this message a borrowed colt. Okay? Can you kind of... Follow me, track with me a little bit. So the Lord just wanted to use that colt to ride into the sea. Now, there's more to this because other parts of Scripture help us understand. How many memorize Zechariah 9.9? Oh, are you kidding me, Pastor? I can't hardly find Zechariah, let alone memorize it, right? Well, it's in the Scripture. It's one of the Old Testament prophets, and he writes this. Many, many years before this ever happened, he writes this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just, just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt. Isn't it amazing how God is into detail? Right? You know, sometimes we just would like a little more detail, God, right? You maybe uh, called us to a, a job or called us to a place or called us to be somewhere at such and such a time, but you're not exactly sure what it's all going to pan out, what's all going to happen, right? And so you start out, you trust God, you go on faith, you walk by faith, and that's what it's all about when the disciples were following Jesus, they really had to trust in him that he was going somewhere, that he was, that he was speaking truth. And so they were so devastated when he left, not really comprehending and understanding the death and resurrection thing, that they were blown away when he left them. But this prophecy is foretold means to me that every prophecy that God has in Scripture will come to pass. Isn't that good to know? 
that we serve a God that is truthful, that is will act upon his word, that even when it says the heaven and earth shall pass away, his word shall not pass away. And so we have the opportunity to build on the, the foundation of the word of God, Jesus Christ. Prophecy fulfilled, number one, it says, uh, the Lord has need of it. And I thought about this. I thought, what in the world? The Lord has, does the Lord really need anything? Well, in this particular situation, he allowed the disciples to be a part of the process. Okay, he sends two guys, two of the guys, two of the disciples. You will find a colt. God knew that. Jesus knew that. And he also knew that the, the owner would ask questions, right? And so he says, just say this, the Lord has needed. Now, I don't know the connection. I don't know the owner. We don't have a lot to go on here. But I know this, something must have resonated in the owner of the colt. He said, okay, okay, the Lord has need of it. Maybe there, was a, maybe there was a time when he saw Jesus, he began to understand, perhaps he started to believe in him. We don't know that. But we are sure that this coal was just temporary. He didn't need this coal for a very long time. And so next week we're going to kind of borrow, we're going to use the phrase, borrowed, he borrowed a tomb. He didn't need it very long. Because a lot of things in this life, as you really begin to think about it, we're living in a way, we're, we're borrowing things. They're not really our, well, we, we may be trusted with things in our life. We're trusted with our finances. We're trusted with our, our gifts, our talents. We're trusted with people in our family. But they're really gifts, and they belong to God. And so if we live with that perspective, that we're, you know, actually, we're not home yet. This is just a temporary place. But while we're here, let's be Faithful, let's be found uh, steadfast. And so I thought about a story in Old Testament. Remember when Sarai was changed to be Sarah, Sarai was Abraham, and Abraham became Abraham. And these are Old Testament people that God uh, raised up, that God, they believed in God, they, they walked with God. Uh, God shows Abraham one that night, all the stars said, You're going to have this. All the descendants, and, and yet they were childless, right? They didn't have any children. And so the story turns out they were getting up, and they were quite old, quite old, um, pushing 100. And in those times, that wasn't all that uncommon, but it was past childbearing age. And so the angel comes to Abraham, and he gives instruction or announces to Abraham that by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And this is where we get Genesis 18, verse uh, 14. Is anything too difficult for the Lord at that time? Uh, I will return to you at this time next year. Sarah will have a son. Remember what Sarah I did? You remember, remember the story? She went, oh, yeah, right. She faced, the scripture says she laughed. And then she, she denied it, right? You read that story. It's quite fascinating. Aren't, isn't it interesting how God uses people that are human 
Hello? Anyone human? Pinch yourself. You, you, we are not perfect vessels. We are not, we're, we're earthen clay vessels. We're vulnerable. We're fragile at times. We're broken, easily broken sometimes. Sometimes we break bones. You know, we're not, you know, we're just bumping along in life in need of the Lord. We're in need of his direction. We're in need of his blessing. We're in need of his favor. And as the Lord gives instruction to the disciples, you know, I wonder what these guys are thinking. What are we going to say to this guy? What are we going to say to this owner? We're going to just, uh, you know, use your cult here. Wait a minute. There could have been a fight. There could have been a, you know, what were they expecting? Well, they must have had to have some faith to believe in God. So now it turns out, I ask myself, what did the Lord really need? If you ask that question, he really doesn't need anything because he can make anything, right? He can speak anything. He spoke the world and exists. He doesn't need our money, but he asks us to give. Why? Because he wants us to learn to walk by faith and trust him. He wants us to learn the joy of giving. He wants us to obey. But what does he need? Perhaps I should reword the question. What does the Lord want from us? Not what the Lord needs, but what the Lord wants from us. I think we could finally probably answer that question a lot easier. The Lord wants us to be humble. The Lord wants us to want him. So, husband and wife, you know this, you know all about this. Your, you, your wife, you know, your, your, your husband, uh, your wife wants you to say a few words, right? Because you want to, right? It comes from your heart. It means more, right? And it's coming from your heart. And it comes in a time when maybe you're least expecting. Wow, that's nice, a compliment. All that adds up to you have a relationship. So what God is wanting with you He's wanted since the beginning of time. It's a relationship. How do we know this? Because God, when he created Adam and Eve, he came down and walked with them, talked with them, had fellowship with them. He created us to live with him forever. That's what he wants. He wants us to know who he is. And Paul had a, a word in the, in the church of Philippi, and he was talking about all the stuff that, you know, he, his credentials, basically he was studied up, he was a Pharisee in, in his study, and his, his, all his academics. And Paul clarified it over again. All this stuff is merely a heap of rubbish in comparison that I might know him. Right? That I might know he's, he's in my heart. That I'm seeking God and not seeking what he'll do for me. And this is what I see. And I see this uh, kind of unfolding in this descent into Jerusalem as Jesus was now riding on this colt. And can you just picture for me, just try to imagine. Well, I don't know, them colts probably weren't very big, right? I would say around in that area. I'm thinking Jesus... Maybe he had to hold his feet up again. 
I just, you know, just think about the humble, the humility, coming in. See, the, the, the Israelites were expecting this other grandeur king coming and to deliver them out of bondage by the Roman Empire, right? They were hoping this was going to, that Jesus doesn't fit that description. But he will the second time he comes, right? As Revelation unfolds that he will come back, the mighty king on a horse, and his saints will come with him. And so these are scriptures as the first coming. He comes into this world as a humble lamb, right? Laid in a manger. And see, as you think that, I don't know if you think sometimes really maybe beyond uh, you kind of think, you know, it was Jesus who created all things. And so, as the scriptures tell us, before the foundation of the world, now this, my little head started to wrap around, before all this happened, God had a plan, right? Which just blows my mind, my thinking, why bother God if you knew all this stuff? But it's, it's beyond me. To think that God would love, God loved us so much that he even knew he would have to die. His son Jesus would become a ransom for you and I. What does the Lord need? What does the Lord want? What the Lord wants is for people to know him. And so as you follow Jesus throughout the Gospels, he often would Ask the question, or at least sometimes, who do people say that I am? Right? He would ask the question. He asked especially Peter, who do you, who, who, who am I? He says, who do people say I am? And he blurts out, seemingly by the help of God, because this was, wow, thou art the Christ. Right? The Son of the living God. The Christ, the anointed one. That's what Christ means. The anointed one, the one sent from God. And so when he, he says that, Jesus comes back with this profound, uh, unbelievable statement. And upon that statement, upon that word you just declare, and Peter, I don't think he really, really understood he was a vessel being used by God. And Jesus is on, on, on the rock. On the rock, Peter means rock, but Jesus referring to himself. Jesus is the rock. We see throughout Scripture the cornerstone. We see the keystone. We see the rock. Uh, another insight of the Old Testament, uh, Moses hit the rock, right? It was, it's symbolic. It's shadows of the foretelling of the one who is to come. What does he need from us? What does he want from us? He really wants just our heart. Right? Once he has your heart, it's going to be hard to say no to him. Right? It's going to be hard to say no to what he asks us to do. And so it's out of relationship, out of obedience. And so can I say one story on the farm? Um, it was, a, it was a time when Dad was working a second job, a night job. He, was, he worked 
He must have worked a whole shift at night. And then he'd come home and he had all the chores to do, right? And so I was probably, um, I'm thinking I was fifth or sixth grade, something like that. But I was home for summer, didn't have to get up to school. And so I started getting up early, trying to go out and do some chores for Dad. So when Dad got home, he'd go right to sleep. Now, nobody told me to do this, I don't think. Maybe they, I don't know, I don't remember that part. But I just remember wanting to do it because I wanted to help my dad, right? I just wanted to, to lighten his load. And so there was a relationship with my dad. This is, this is my dad. He's working hard. He's going on four hours of sleep a day. How long can he keep this up, right? And so out of just wanting to do it. Now, if someone would have told me to do that, it would have been probably, ah, I don't know. I, I'd have to think that through. But if someone, sometimes people tell you to do things, and you go, ah, wait a minute. But when it comes from your heart, it's different, isn't it? And so we can do all kinds of things that we're supposed to do, right? Oh, I'm, I, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. Oh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay to have standards and boundaries. But when it's conviction, it's like, it's, no, this is not who I am. Because God changed me, right? It's not who I am. And it's sort of like, it's like having a transformation, the word is. It's not like just all of a sudden we're putting a, putting on a show. And so these, these disciples, and some of them, they were, they were still learning. They were still coming to figure out, is this really the king of kings? And so all of a sudden they got caught up. I see this as a moment, this, this whole Hosanna, and they were praising, they got caught up, and God had almost like had a moment. He had a moment where he, he re received some actual praise and worship. But the problem was, as I see, they were singing and praising with a joyful, loud voice, verse 37. And, and I, I noticed this, and this is not a bad thing, it's, it's, but it can't be the only thing for all the miracles they've seen. And let me just say this. I'm all for miracles. God can do miracles. I'm all for it. I wish he'd do more. I, I want him to do all kinds of miracles. But that shouldn't be the basics, or that shouldn't be the base for me to build my life on. Are you, are you following me? My base, my foundation is that I've come to know him. I know his heart. We sang that little song, break my heart for what breaks yours. Ooh. Break my heart but what breaks yours? So coming into a deeper relationship with God is all of a sudden starting to take on his, his character. All of a sudden, oh, I get to rather than I have to. Right? Oh, life is a gift. Oh, People are gifts. Oh, my job is God's way of providing for me. Oh, it's a gift. And so all of a sudden, there's people. These people had seen mighty things. And you know what's fascinating? 
Have you ever read the end of the book of John? How many remember what it says? You don't have to say. If you follow the book of you know, John's writings, and you get all the way to the end of the book of John, he writes this, 21 chapter 25, 25th verse, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books which were written. How many have thought about that? How many things we don't know that Jesus did that we're going to find out because someday we're going to learn more and more. I believe we're going to learn more and more. And the questions you may have now, maybe you'll have them yet. Maybe you'll just know. I don't know for sure. This is all faith. This is somewhat we speculate a little bit about heaven and how we're going to be. But I know this that you won't want to miss it, and you don't, uh, you don't want to get so comfortable in this life that you lose focus of your real. Well, how many things do we really need in this life? And we think about it. How many things do we really need? And then we ask, how many things do we really want? And we won't go there. <laughs> right? It's okay to want things. If you keep them in perspective and in balance and realizing it's all God. If God gives you a nice new truck, somehow, glory to God. We rejoice with you. And everyone else said amen, right? Well, I hope God does something for me, you know. Right? Come on. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Oh, we praise him to who he is. We worship him. He's so worthy. We are so, if we realize how much he's already done for us, he doesn't have to do anything else really. Heaven awaits us in our real home. It helps us see, having heaven's perspective helps us to balance this life out. Let's do the best we can with what we have right now on this earth. Let's be the best we can. Let's worship Jesus. Let's try to proclaim the message. That's what we're made for. The Lord had a moment is my second point, but we'll, we'll kind of speed it up a little bit. We know he healed the sick. We know he delivered demonics. We know he raised Lazarus from the dead. We know he fed people that were thousands out of a simple little boy's lunch. And we see him at work, even when he's tired, even when, imagine this now, remember when John the Baptist, he was executed? Jesus was broken in spirit. You sense this when you read. He withdrew to a quiet place, or he withdrew to a lonely place. And not 
very long after we see him, the crowd was closing in on him. Now what, how did he handle that emotion? And so we realize that Jesus absolutely understands your emotion, your hurt, your pain. He knows all about it. He knows everything about you and I. He'd experienced this life just as you are experiencing it now. And that's why he, he's become the high priest, the one and only high priest. He lives forever, which is the greatest news, because he's never going to change. He's never going to move away. He's never going to resign and go somewhere else. He's always going to be there, living forever, taking us to himself, receiving our cries, embracing us when we're desperate and down and feeling discouraged. Jesus is who he said he is. He said he was. He was the Christ, the son of the living God. John was close to Jesus. We read this probably was sitting next to Jesus during the Lord's Supper. Um, do you know that John is the writer of Revelation? He was on the island. and This is where God gave John the revelation of what is to come in the future. And it was John that was, we read in Revelation 1, that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Remember when you read that? And he heard the voice, and he begins to receive the revelation. He falls down, and we see parts of what's to come in the future. Revelation really is more about the revelation of Christ. Some people really can get bogged down, and I, you know, I'm not saying that that uh, we're going to be able to understand. I think that sometimes we have to say, "You okay, Lord?" I believe enough, and I know enough that you're the, you're the answer. You're going to be the one who plays this all out, and we're believing, and we're expecting, but right now, help me to walk as I ought to walk in the life I live now. So, in spite of, I don't see the miracles, but I want to see the miracles, in spite of I don't always see the healing that I think this should happen, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to keep serving him. I'm going to keep looking for him. Because the Lord wants, to follow, wants us to follow him for who he is. And if he never does another thing for us. So, one of the things that's really interesting, and I had a friend that he would often uh, refer to this verse. And it's a verse that talks about the stones that will cry out. You know, the disciples are saying, should we tell these people to be quiet? Are they annoying you? And he says, if they, if I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. And I had a friend, he said, I don't want a stone taking my place. Okay? So I want to be a person that worships. I want to be a person that responds. And I have a heart 
toward him. And I think that's a good way to live. That we live with a quick to praise. Quick to say thank you. Quick to say hallelujah. Quick to say, Lord, you are with us. It's in your hands. Quick to turn it over to God. Quick to transfer the emotion. Lord, I may feel this way, but I know you are on the throne. I may feel, I may feel like this is too hard for me, but I know nothing is too hard for you. And so we continually praise him. The scriptures talk about uh, offering up a praise in Hebrews 13, verse 15. Through him, and I notice, through him, that's key. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. You know, I think we are... Um, Sometimes we may not feel like praising. Are you with me? You, you just kind of need some time. Keep praising him until you feel like it. <laughs> I think it's kind of a natural human thing. You start just getting your, your, your body, your, your, the human part of us, putting it in line. Kind of like, okay, come on. The spirit is, is nudging us, and the body is trying to still wake up, right, in the morning. But the spirit is with us. The spirit of God's nudging us. And so as we begin and get into the day, a good practice is to keep thanking the Lord. It's a new day. Thank you, Lord. Whatever's on your agenda, maybe to say, Lord, I need you. Whatever you want today, Lord, surrender. And it's, it's just a good way to start out today. Through him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. Well, the fruit of our lips, the fruit of lips that give thanks to, there's, there's an attitude of thanksgiving that already sets us up to have victory, right? The victory is already won, right? The victory is already conquered. The enemy is under our feet, right? We are his children. Devil, get behind me. That's what Jesus said, basically, to one of Peter's, you know, statements. Here's Peter, good old Peter. We love him. He, he went on to be a champion. He made mistakes. God used them. But God wasn't done with them. Even when Peter thought, Jesus, yeah, yeah, you know, all this, all this I, I, I'll die for you. Another time he didn't want Jesus to go somewhere. He, Jesus just laid it out. Get behind me, Satan. Oh, boy. I wouldn't have liked to have been Peter that day. But Peter kept coming back. The good thing about Peter... He may have blew it a few times, but he kept coming back. He showed up. And though he felt bad because he denied the Lord, of course he'd feel bad. We can't say, well, I would have been different. No, I don't, I don't know if I would have. I wasn't, in, I wasn't there. Imagine the pressure that was on his life. And so Peter's a different man. 
after he had followed Jesus those several years, he come to know that Jesus, when he appeared back from the grave, that Jesus was at his heavenly body. And so Jesus came into the room. This is next Sunday already, but preview. Comes into the room. I don't know how it's going to happen. The door was shut. That's a spiritual heavenly body. Didn't have any obstacles. Could it be that we can imagine for a moment that ourselves will be like him? We shall see him as he is, for we shall be like him. Not be him, but we be like him in our heavenly body. That's yet to come. Therefore, when you think about it, our bodies are merely temporal. We're borrowing them. Would we say that? We're borrowing. These are tents. How many camp? Sometimes camp. You set them up and tear them down. It's kind of handy dandy and, you know, gets you by. You're getting by. I've come to appreciate that statement. People ask, how you doing? Well, I'm getting by. I mean, I'm not saying that as a negative way. I'm getting by. God is good. Right? We're getting by, meaning, what do we really need in this life? Right? Oh my goodness, we were throwing some things away the other day. That's a hallelujah moment for me. Hallelujah. We threw something away. Get this stuff decluttered. I'm terrible. Why are you hanging on to this stuff? I'm talking to myself. Why am I hanging on to this? What's this so important? Unless it's a picture of our families. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble now. Okay. Hang on. You know what I mean. I hear this coming from our, some of my senior friends. Nope. I got to deal with this. Somebody else is going to have to deal with it. All right? You've heard that. All right? You just borrowed it. We're just borrowing this stuff. Oh, I could go on about borrowing. You know, true worshipers, when Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman, remember that story? When Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman, he, he mentions this, the day is coming when we'll worse, true worshipers shall worship in spirit and in truth. True worship, true worship. I think his focus was on the Spirit of God would dwell in people. Therefore, there's a true worship. There's a connection. That It's a God thing. It's not even coming from us. It's the Spirit of God in you. It's a cycle back to God. God is flowing through you. And we offer back 
the praise he gives back to us. We offer it up again, he gives back to us. We give, and it's given back to us. We give, and it's given back to us. And all of a sudden, you understand, oh, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers. This is speaking of Spirit of God. Rivers. Rivers represent what? Life. Rivers flow. Rivers have a source, right? God. God the Spirit. Those you worship in spirit and in truth. So it all comes back to this. Not just following him for what he's going to do for you, but for who he is. Bottom line. Period. Follow him for who he is. And Jesus understood these people because in the next few verses, Jesus cries his heart out. The tears come. He weeps over the lostness. He weeps over Jerusalem, which once was not under siege, but was the place where they had Passover. And they came with their sacrifice, and they were in obedience in Israel. Up and down, up and down, up and down over the years. And Jesus weeps over lost. And Jesus still weeps for lost people. And Jesus, as we understand more who he is, we take on his heart. And all of a sudden, we begin to weep or want to reach or we have compassion. And we begin to see differently. We begin to think differently. Because it's all about the moment that we come to understand him. And I invite you today, sometimes just sort of during the week, you take that moment and you just sit with Jesus. You just praise him. You just... Bring your heart before the Lord. And then, if you feel led, maybe you need to talk about a few of your own things. But it won't be long, and you start talking to the Lord about other people's problems and your concerns for the other people. What is that all about? All of a sudden, it's, you begin to identify with what John the Baptist said himself, I must decrease. He must increase. When he saw Jesus coming, it was like he wasn't jealous. He wasn't. This is this is the Lamb of God. That's what he wanted people to understand. And God is still looking across our earth that people would just understand who He is. Simple and plain. I gave my life that you could live with me forever and ever. And for that reason, for that alone, I really don't need anything very much. I'm always, you know, happy to do or work or work for things. It's all good. It's all God's plan. But it really comes down to what is in my heart 
What is it that really matters? What is it that, when it's all said and done, I'll switch mics, when it's all said and done, what is going to matter most? Right? And you know that it will be what Jesus says to you and I when we, when we see him. We want to hear that word. Well done, good faithful servant. And remember this. If you've had some rough times lately, you've had some questions and wonders and whys, and there's some families in our community that are really hurting over loss, and it's natural to have questions. It's natural sometimes to even uh, question God, what are you doing? That's the natural. Oh, God, move us into the spirit so that we can see deeper past our own selves. Can we take one more moment to worship him? It's kind of uh, a song that uh, kind of growing on me. I learned it a few. Um, well, Emily, it was Emily's song. I think it was. No, it wasn't Emily. Anyway, Anna probably taught this before. Anyway, worthy of it all. It has to do with a picture of us, you and I, gathered around the throne of God with the elders, as it says in uh, Revelations, casting our crowns before the Lord. And he's so worthy.